Welcome to Bosses with Baggage. I'm Sherry Sutton, your host and business growth guide. Around here, we believe that failures are our superpowers. So in this podcast, we'll explore the many ways that setbacks can mold, shape, and change your life and your business and ensure that you come out of the fire better than before. Through interviews with business leaders and discussions of my own personal struggles, we'll unlock the secrets to turning setbacks and low moments into opportunities to thrive. From approaching your business with a servant's heart to getting comfortable with being the face of your brand, each episode will be a safe, judgment-free zone to reframe the concept of failure with honesty, empathy, grace, and a whole lot of laughter. So are you ready? Let's go. Namaste, my friends. My name is Sherry Sutton. I am your marketing mentor and the host of Bosses with Baggage. I am here with my friend, Matt. Say hello. Hey, Sherry. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. Great to see you again. Good to see you. And the reason why we're seeing each other again is because I was actually a guest on Matt's podcast called Beyond Recovery. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. And that was, I don't know, six months ago, maybe. Could it have been a year? No. Not quite a year. I think it was the beginning of this year, yeah. um, which, man, that went by quick, didn't it? It doesn't seem that long ago. But yeah, when you mentioned, I was like, six months? Yeah, no, that tracks. It's about six months ago. Yeah. 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 So tell us where in the world you're joining us from and a little bit about what you do. And then this is Bosses with Baggage. So we mm-hmm. like to get right into the baggage. So tell start telling us a little bit about your background, kind of what your dark night of the soul looked like, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks again for having me on. So I'm calling in from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So that's like a northern Alberta town. So, you know, eight months of winter. We always joke it's eight months of winter and then four months of construction. So right now we're in construction season. So uh, I've been here about 20 years. I'm from Prince George, British Columbia, which is like a smaller version of Edmonton in the province uh, to my west. So that's gives you, uh, that'll, that's a little bit of part of my story. I'll get into it. I am currently doing sober coaching, recovery coaching, life coaching. Um, I've been doing that full-time for about a year and a half now. I had been doing a retail job working a grocery chain as, uh, well, started as a part-time closing kid at 16 years old and literally worked as my one and only job for 22 and a half years, climbed the corporate ranks, so to speak, was an assistant store manager by the time I left, which that sort of ties into my, I guess, my dark night of the soul, so... There's basically two parts of my story that I'll get into here, uh, the career pivot, why I did it, and my personal recovery story. So um, just to- and Wait, before you do that, yes. if anybody's watching this, there's a guest that's oh, right. also on this podcast, and yes. they need to be introduced. I'm sorry to interrupt. Absolutely. So this is Trout. And she Hi, is- Trout. Yeah, she just turned 16. So she's been, been a buddy of mine for quite some time. She all she loves seems to know when the camera's on or when I'm recording something. She's been on so many different podcasts over the years. Uh, sneaks into my audio when I'm recording like guitar and, and singing and such. You'll hear a little in the background, a little backing vocals action. So yes, Trout has joined us. Uh, thanks for. I wasn't sure if she was still in the camera shot or not there. So yes, she's currently on my lap purring. So I, I guess she's she's also happy to be here. Excellent. And and again, bosses with baggage, we like to get right to the baggage, except when there's cute pets. 
<laughs> yeah, so, there's the one caveat. If there's a cute animal involved, we're going to pause that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Okay. So now we can go to the baggage. So tell us a little bit about oh, your background, um, your dark night of the soul. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, going from cute animal to dark night of the soul, uh, that's a natural segue, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've definitely, uh, you know, I started drinking and getting into like heavy marijuana usage at 16. And I'd put it off for a while because I'd known growing up on both sides of my family, but specifically my dad was a big drinker. I found out a few years into my teenage years that he was a big, like a daily marijuana smoker as well. So, and I just knew something about, you know, the warnings, right? Like you got to watch this stuff. Right. And so I was a little bit hesitant going in, but I was a really shy kid. And I'll tell you, as soon as I got that, you know, those first couple drinks in me, I was like, Oh, perfect. I don't have to be shy anymore. You know, it was like, it was one of those deals. So that was my reason for doing it. You know, it worked until it didn't sort of thing. Right. And, you know, getting into music, uh, by the time I was 15, I went from like an athlete, I was in all the sports growing up and such. And then I got into music and marijuana. So as soon as I got into, like you know, music for me is like, I started reading about like Led Zeppelin and, you know, 15 year old me was like, this sounds really cool. Like destroying hotel rooms and drinking and playing loud music. So that really appealed to me. And then, so that was basically after that, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do for, for the rest of my life. Right. So that was my idea. I was going to be a musician. I mean, I still am, but I wanted to be like a famous musician. Right. Um, so drinking started making decisions for me in a lot of ways. Uh, I moved out to Alberta from, from BC where legal drinking age is 18. So that was one of the reasons I moved. I'm like, Oh sweet. I can start playing in bars with my band. Uh, curiously, you know, musician is like one of the only jobs they encourage you to drink on the job. You know what I mean? Which I was like, Oh, perfect. You know, you're the entertainment you're getting paid that night. Uh, but when you show up, they're like, they give you like six beers each, you know what I mean? Like, here's some drink tickets. I'm like, sounds good. You know? Um, so, you know, fast forward, like through my twenties, I was daily drinker. Uh, that's when it started. I'd say like about 2021, I started, uh, you know, drinking daily. And, uh, by the time I was 27, it had really ramped up to the point I gave myself acute pancreatitis. So I went to the hospital, incredibly painful, incredibly frightening. I thought I was going to die. I had no idea what was going on, you know, still in a little bit of denial. Like I told my parents, I was in the hospital, but I made up some BS about like, I was mixing some supplements, you know, like the vitamin D supplement that must've done it, you know, nonsense. Food poisoning, mom. Food poisoning. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I took too much of it. Uh, put it under my tongue. I shouldn't have, um, <laughs> you know, all this like nonsense. And yeah, I was in the hospital for three days and, you know, the whole time doing that, like, please, if I get out of this, you know, I'll never drink again. And as I'm walking back from the hospital, which is the university grounds of Edmonton, so you can imagine lots of liquor stores in and around that area. Well, just anywhere in, in Alberta generally, but specifically in that region, there's like three liquor stores on my like seven to 10 minute walk home. And it was totally like the Goldilocks thing. Like I walked by the first one, I was like, Pfft alcohol i'm so done with you right and then the second liquor store comes and then there's like this voice in my head that starts going wow you know that was that was whiskey that did that to you like beer beer if you started drinking beer like nobody ever has problems with beer it's five percent you know you never you nobody has problems like with beer i'm like yeah that's that sounds actually kind of logical and then by the third liquor store which is close to my house i grabbed a six pack of beer and I was drinking again, again that night, you know? So from praying to like, I've learned my lesson, I'll never touch another drop to on my walk home, I grabbed a six pack of beer. So that then I was a beer guy, you know, for until I'd say my 30s. And that's when I really hit a rock bottom. It was just like um, the fairly long term relationship I'd been in um, ended, we'll just say, uh, not very, uh, not very well. We ended up getting back together and she's my current wife now. But uh, we had uh, definitely a, a bad, like a 
pretty bad falling out. And, um, and by that time my drinking had just ramped up. Meanwhile, curiously enough, uh, you know, my band had just, uh, received a $10,000 grant to record a professional album. I was getting promoted at work. So there's this confusing thing, and I'm sure that you're going to get a lot of this on, the, on your show here, uh, you know, like high performing otherwise. Uh, oh, I'm just going to move you there, big girl. Bye, Trout. Um, so high performing otherwise, and then as I'm like leveling up on all this other stuff, my drinking and like my spirit essentially is like going into this descent of like madness essentially, right? And, uh, so that's finally when I just put my hand up and I'm like, I can't fake this. I can't do this anymore. I'm like drinking before I go to work. I'm sometimes bringing beers to work and like out to my car. I'm drinking on my breaks, you know, just crossing every line imaginable. Right. And I'd got a really bad concussion from, I fell down some stairs, you know, I, I was smoking cigarettes, but I hadn't smoked in a while. And, you know, you get that huge head rush when you don't smoke for a while. Um, and I was like, Oh, I gotta go downstairs, like just chill for a bit. And yeah, I went downstairs like head first. And like, I got a bit of a scar there still. I might busted my head open, blood everywhere. And, you know, I had to go to the hospital for that. And I had a really bad concussion for like a long time after that. You know, I ended up getting a second. I whacked my noodle at a Christmas party like two weeks after that and I had black eyes and almost broke my nose and just, just really bad. So when you're talking about Dark Knight of the Soul, yeah, we're getting there. And uh, <laughs> I just remember like, you know, having a headache. I was taking like eight or, you know, I'd say six to eight uh, aspirin a day. And like people saying I wasn't really finishing sentences. The thing is that you're really not supposed to drink when you have a really bad concussion, which, you know, I continued. I get like one beer, Sherry, and I'd just be like zombie land. But yet I continued to try and do it. So it's probably a good three, four months that I was just like, like that. You know what I mean? So finally, I was just like, I need help here. And um, yeah, so I put my hand up and I said to my boss, and my boss is like this ultimate like alpha male, you know, hunter into MMA. I'm like, this guy's going to think I'm such a flake and he's gonna fire me and then my parents are gonna you know my parents are gonna disown me and all my friends are gonna think i'm lame because i can't drink anymore and guess what happened the exact opposite of all of that you know darren uh, my boss showed out to him uh gave me every so discreet and private about about it helped me navigate it uh, my mom flew out uh and like a moment's notice to help me navigate all the paperwork and such because of course there was to make sure that i was still getting some degree of wage compensation while i had a leave of absence and i was not in the mindset to be able to navigate that myself so she hopped on a plane i got all the support that i just wasn't really expecting or didn't think i deserved i think more than anything and uh so that's a lesson to anybody that's listening that's kind of on the fence of or like having these stories come up like oh but th this is gonna happen what about this it's it's generally gonna be the opposite of what you think in the way that you're going to get the help that you need so you know and i got um the first night that i went to a program like a, a health help group uh was the thing that changed my life really it truly was that connection with like-minded people and realizing i did a lot of drinking at by myself, you know, I would, I would, to save face, I would, you know, have a couple beers at a house party to make sure that no, like nobody would clue in how much I was drinking. And then when I got home, I'm like, ah, perfect. And I slammed 10 beer. Right. Um, so I did a lot of it in hiding. And as a result, I thought my condition was very much my own and like unique to me. And I felt this really detached, uh, sense of self and, and just, you know, with people around me. And that first night, uh, with that first group that I'd gone to, uh, changed everything for me. It was literally, I had this like profound, like spiritual intervention, like 180. I started crying as soon as the guy started talking, not like weeping, but like I teared up and like, I could feel weight come off my shoulders. And I was like, holy crap. So three, three plus years of sobriety where I got into like 
Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle and uh, really did some massive healing. I had this like, I swear, like I've never felt it quite since there was like some kind of guide with me that was like my intuition there. I, I was really a changed person. And I haven't quite found or experienced that since then. You know, and so three and a half years of that, and it was at my drummer's wedding was my, uh, you know, weddings and what is it? There's a, that's tippy top, I think, for triggering for, for yeah, people. Yeah, what is it? Weddings, funerals. Weddings, funerals. <laughs> Imagine like moving is, <laughs> people hate moving. Uh, beer and pizza seems to be, anyways. Yeah, so wedding and, you know, I was a groomsman and there was just like drinks coming. All, it was a great wedding. And uh, I was super like unprotective. I, I was still like secretive about who I told who I wasn't drinking. It was like 200 people. So I didn't want to be like every time ah, I don't drink, you know, uh, where now, of course, I would handle it completely differently. I would be like, yes, I, I'm good. I'm, I don't drink it. Be confident about it. But I still wasn't very confident about it. And I was still, you know, some people were bringing shots and I was doing the, you know, toss it over my shoulder into the plant to tequila shots. And this again, nonsense, right? Like just playing with fire. And then by the end of the night, I made it so close. Um, and I, I ended up having a shot of tequila and like the brain chemistry stuff happened. And, and I was so shocked how quickly I said, you know, all the voices, like these dormant voices just came alive, you know, and, um, you know, there was like part of me that was like, I got this, which was my ego saying like, I got this, like, I can do this now I'm cured. Right. And then there was another one that was going, holy hell, like that got right back on top of you. Like, can you feel that? And I was like, yeah. And I kind of missed that. I had this like real angel devil conversation going on. Of course the devil, you know, won that night. And I, as I'm driving home from the wedding at 2 AM, I'm like looking for all the liquor stores that might still be open. And then that other voice is like, what happened to you, man? Like three and a half years, look at you, you're back. You're it's old mad again. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel good about this, you know, it's a very confusing state. And you know, so the next three and a half years I, I spent trying to find some moderation formula that worked and I'll tell you 0% success rate. And I tried everything. We don't need to go into it. I'm some of for humor, I guess I'll use like, you know, that I only drink, uh, I'll keep all the alcohol out in the garage. All of a sudden I'm like hanging out in the garage all the time. You know what I mean? What? <laughs> I only drink when I go out. All of a sudden I'm going out every night of the week. I'm like, okay, that didn't work either. Now, like it's so much more expensive this way too. And I was like, okay, only weekends, like, you know, the five on two off thing before, you know, it's like the first long weekend. And then the next weekend, which is not a long weekend, all of a sudden that's a long weekend. And before you know it, like every weekend is five days and I'm binge drinking. I'm like, what? Why can't I do this? I don't understand. Um, you know, and then finally it was like, uh, my, my dad passed away uh, a couple of days before Christmas, 2018. And he'd been a, he a heavy drinker from the time pretty much mirrored me like 15 on onwards. And uh, he'd retired for the one year there and, and he started smoking cigarettes again. And I just believe he he yeah, just wasn't taking care of himself. Right. And, yeah. and yeah, um, same thing what... happened with my dad, he retired a couple years and yeah, same yeah. Thing. heavy, heavy, heavy drinking. I mean, you know, right. he ended up having a heart attack, but he was just so unhealthy. Right. Cause I think yep. we just, we just kind of give up and, and it, and it mm -hmm. happens in these slow degrees, right? Like, Oh, we'll just, you know, this will just be this one. I'll just have this. I'll let myself just drink today. Right. And you mentioned this earlier. I'll just drink myself drink today or I, oh, I'll start my diet tomorrow or I'll do this tomorrow. And then next thing you know, right, you're yeah. 65, you can't walk anymore. And, you know, it's it's so hard to get yourself to a place of of health at that point. 
It is. Yeah. And he was a big golfer. And it, by that time he started like treating himself to, um, he'd always walked, right. That's how he was getting his steps in. So he started treating himself to a golf cart. So now all of a sudden he's not walking, you know what I mean? He's like, ah, you know, I, it's kind of like this, I, you know, this idea that retirement's just like, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So with him, and I know it cause like I'm, I'm his son, right. I know what his kind of mindset was. And you know, some of this is speculation, but you know, it's, I think it's, you know, I've earned this, you know, and a big part of his identity is gone. He was a fireman for 35 years. He's a hero. And all of a sudden he's like, he's not that, you know, he's a retired fireman. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of that just hit him. And like you say, he wasn't taking care of himself under the guise that like he's earned, you know, this time that he can smoke cigarettes again, you know, have a few extra drinks after the golf game's over. He's earned the right to like use a golf cart. So all these decisions is, you know, confluence of events essentially. And yeah, he, he passed away. And, and that was like on my way out to his celebration of life, which was a few months later, uh, April, 2019. So Prince George is eight hours West of Edmonton, right on the same longitude, I guess, East to West. And right in smack dab in the middle of it's the Canadian Rockies, just beautiful. It's like literally to the kilometer, uh, called Jasper. It's this tiny little like time capsule, really cute mountain town. And we'd had some moments there, of course, cause again, the halfway point. So we meet there and my dad and I, and uh, it was a beautiful sunny day, but I was coming out of this day where I was like, I'd been up all night doing cocaine and drinking and smoking cigarettes myself, right? So I was super strung out and I'm heading out to my dad's celebration of life and I'm going, oh, just felt empty. I'm driving through one of my favorite places on earth. It's a beautiful sunny day. I'm supposed to go, I am going to pay respects to my dad. And I felt like black, like dark, heavy energy, um, like a complete failure, uh, scared anxious just what is going on so i took out my phone and just started trying to capture some of that just get some of that energy moving right and this is the closest thing i had to that other story i was telling you about when i went to the first uh you know first group meeting that i went to and uh yeah something happened there and i had this like wasn't quite as profound but there was definitely something that you know i said something a certain way and just verbalizing it outside i got tapped somehow spiritually i mean and uh you know that's where i decided you know the the rest of the drive, which is eight hours, so four hours on the back end, four hours of just kind of complete hell. And then the next, the next four hours was like building myself back up. Like, hey, I'm going to do this for dad. I'm going to do this for that whole lineage. My dad's whole side of the family have been heavy drinkers. Um, I can stop with, will stop with me. I'm going to do it as a tribute to him, tribute to myself. Um, I've done this before, you know, really like solutions based uh, inner dialogue with myself and I was a completely different person by the time I got to Prince George at a wicked uh, time with my brother. We hadn't been back home together in like 20 years by that point. So it's kind of like this Wes Anderson movie type scenario. We're going through all like our, you know, um, you know, all the different like haunts that we'd had and this really nostalgic. So I think it was just one of those things where like a perfect storm of all these things happened that propelled me forwards into my now four year, four plus years of alcohol free. Um, you know, and, and it's really cool. So, you know, and then I, we can pause here because this is obviously what's going to segue into my career pivot and what I'm doing now. But just if there's any topics you wanted to circle back to. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. You know, Often the only way that we are willing to change is through getting into enough pain. Yeah. And everybody has a different threshold for that, right? And I, you know, talked to some people who you know, they've just had, they had a really bad day at work and they were crying on the bathroom floor and that was enough for them to change their lives. And then there's people who have to, 
go through, you know, I've had other guests on the podcast who are like, yeah, I was in jail twice. My parents died. I tried to commit suicide by cop. And then that was the only way that they were actually able to change. And I always find it so fascinating. But there is always this like pivotal moment where we really just decide like no more. And I always find that there's some sort of you know, this is going to sound corny, but I can't think of another way to say it, like divine intervention that happens, right? There's this moment of clarity that we often feel like is somehow outside of ourselves and that we have somehow been reorganized outside of even our own efforts. And mm-hmm. and it's then what do we do with that on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. And how do we then make the change? And then for many of my guests, and I know including you, and you'll get to this in a minute, it it is the spark that leads us to a life of service that is how we continue to change our own lives and then the lives of others as well. So walk us through how that went. Beautiful setup. That was awesome. Great summary and then beautiful setup. Thanks. That's great. Um, <laughs> you've done this before. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, definitely. I by the, So 2019, as I mentioned, that was my first, you know, from April on, you know, sober. And I noticed there was something, as soon as I removed the alcohol from my system, big surprise, uh, I started finding these like, emotions coming up and I didn't really know what they were. I would just allow them and get curious about them. Like I get emotional when I'd watch specifically like comeback stories or like people that bet on themselves. You know what I mean? Those types of stories would make me emotional, like tearing up kind of kind of thing, right? And I was like, okay, there's something to this, right? And, and I think you know, also I want to just interrupt you for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you just said something that I think is really important that I want our listeners to hear again is it's you start feeling these emotions and what has frequently happened for many of us, whether we're addicted to, you know, shopping, drugs, alcohol, sex, <laughs> um, whatever we use to kind of zone out on life. Once we've made this decision to not do that, now we start feeling feelings. And I yeah. love what you said about not just feeling them, but being curious about them. Mm-hmm. Because I think it be, can be so disarming for people who have opted out of feeling for a while. And that's, you know, what so many of us do because life can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we say, okay, I'm going to go back to being okay with feeling, it can be overwhelming. But the best way to deal with that is with this mood of curiosity of, huh, what is that? What's yeah. going on with me right now? Like, what is this? Why do I feel this way, right? Why am I thinking that this is truth, whatever it is, and having yes. curiosity about it instead of judging it or running from it? And so I just love how you said that. So keep going. Yeah. Curiosity is one of my favorite words. And just even the, the word like saying it gives, you, like, gives me that kind of goosebumpy feeling, right? I just love it, right? Um, so yeah, that was definitely it. And it was like, okay, uh, instead of numbing these feelings out, they're coming up and I'm like journaling about them. You know what I mean? I had enough sort of foundation that I built from that previous sobriety stint. Like, and so I just started developing some really good habits. Yeah. And then, you know, I turned fast forward a couple of years from there. So that was just sort of like this foreshadowing, right? My intuition is like, I wouldn't say going nuts, but it's like beyond, I I find now intuition can be very subtle and I have to find it in like a, a silent spot for meditation. But this one was like, you know, Hey, like you haven't been paying attention to me in a while, you know? And, uh, and you've been numbing me and like, uh, we got some stuff to talk about, you know what I mean? So two years. And we, got, and we have stuff to do. 
We got stuff to do in this world and you need to get on board. Like I am sitting in the car. The car's running. running. You just have to get in it. Waiting for you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm on the the porch going, hmm, should I get in the car? Uh, Yeah, so it was like two years after that of just feeling this gradual sort of discontent with my my career, you know, um, and I was finding that I was justifying it the same way that, you know, you justify a relationship you shouldn't be in, or I was justifying alcohol, again, a relationship I shouldn't have been in, uh, as far as like, yeah, but you know, I got six weeks paid vacation, like I almost, I'm at six figures here pretty quick, been doing this all my life, you know, and justifying it, right? I'm like, okay, that, that's kind of a red flag there too, right? The other red flag, the main one for me, Sherry, was when I would think about when I would say to myself, all I have to do is do this for another 15 years, my body would like contract and I'd feel like lightheaded and I'd feel anxious and dread. I'm like, whoa, okay, interesting. So that's how it was. And back to that idea of curiosity, right? Because yeah. I think you feel our bodies are antennas to our intuition, right? Yeah. Or our sores or however you want to look at it. Yep. But feeling that in our bodies and being willing to look listen to it and be curious mm-hmm. about it as well, yes. right? Not just the craziness in your head, but your body too. It was and that's body. such an important yeah. indicator. But so so often we're like, meh, meh yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'll go, uh, I'll go like uh, watch a movie now and I just, we'll turn that into that feeling off. Um, so yeah, it was, that's when I took, I ended up acting on that, that uh, feeling in my body. So I took a six month sabbatical. I'd never taken more than, you know, a week or two off for that whole, whatever, 20 plus years. Right. So I'm like, oh, I know people don't do this more often. So I saved enough money. I got a bonus from work that sort of more or less funded me for six months to take off, you know, and it was initially just to like reset, you know, um, and then go back and do my 15 years. Right. And uh, the morning one of my sabbatical, I woke up. And I had a voice in my head as clear as day that I swear is not mine. It was like, I view it as like my gramps or like a guide of some kind. I always think it's my gramps on my mom's side because I had a great connection with him. And uh, the voice said, you're not going back. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Who said that? You know, and why, how am I not going back? And so that was like, that. Yeah, from there, I remember I walked out into a campsite that hadn't opened yet. And I just, I love campsites. And it was out in nature and it was early, it was April. So there's still a bit of snow up here and such. And just like walked around and I got all these like ideas of just stuff I wanted to try and do. And it was crazy. I hadn't felt that like creative flow in so long. And anyway, so just the next six months was really just trying different things. So trying all these different things. I wouldn't say get rich quick schemes, but like, you know, just the side of it. When I'd see something come up on YouTube about like, hey, have you ever tried drop shipping? I'm like, no, what's that? You know, I I dabble in a lot of things, right? Uh, just, just to see. Use the YouTube algorithm as a sign from the universe. Exactly. That exactly. <laughs> now looking back on it, of course, there's a lot of fit. You know, when we, I know you talk about it on your show, the the failures, quote unquote, which to me is it's learning is what it is, yeah, right? For I, sure. When you did, when you detach emotion and judgment from failure, it's simply learning, isn't it? So, which is incredibly important. So, you know, I was trying my best to do you know, whatever I could. So I didn't have to go back to work. It wasn't like get rich quick, but it was, I just wanted to be able to do something that I didn't have to go back to work. And I had this like pressure I was putting on myself, right. And six months to completely change your life is not exactly, you know what I mean? Realistic. So I did go back to work. Um, I'm skipping over a little bit by this, by this time I had done the whole uh, idea of, okay, what am I good at in one column? What am I passionate about in the other column? And I recognized that, um, I really liked 
from my just vast experience that I'd had 22 years of experience, the last 12 years, I had been doing a lot of coaching and mentoring, specifically the last six, because of being an assistant store manager. That was essentially what I was. I was the point person. I was a resource. I was there to help support people, you know, and bring up the next crop of, of talent, so to speak. Right. So I really liked that aspect of it. And I knew I was going to miss it. So I'm like, okay, well, how can I fit that in with, you know, my personal story? And I was still a little bit like hesitant about coming out with my recovery story because I knew I was going to be going back to work. And that's one of the reasons I protected is because I didn't really want, you know, the whole gossipy side of it. Now, knowing what I know, it's, you know, it's, it's not as big a deal as I thought, but, you know, I was so plugged into that culture that I'm like, okay, I can't have these people know. And they're not going to think of me as a leader if they know that I've been like this drunk for 10 years, you know? So all this, this to say that I, I just, I pulled back on that for the time being. And I had this overlap period of about four months where I was doing my old job with getting my coaching business up and running. And I figured that I could do that for a couple of years. And, you know, a couple months into that, I was like, this is not working. It's like, this new me that's ready to get like, I'm giving birth to this like new version of me. Uh, and there's like this old energy, this old story, and that they're just clashing big time, right? So and once you like, get a taste of that authenticity, oh, it's like, we just can't, you, you can't, can't go, go back, back. You can't right? Like, back. it's just, yeah. you just start rolling downhill. I mean, that's so much of my story and like my demise, yeah. you know, well, for me, going through that process was what led to my addiction. That's a whole other story and a whole other nice. podcast. But, yeah. but yeah, I felt like that. Like once I once I started really listening and seeing who I was meant to be, I, you you can't stop it, right? It's just That's right. It, it's the boulder going down, or but it's more it's the snowball going down snowball. the hill. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Hundred percent, right? And you know, so by this time, I'd done a couple of coaching certifications. And it was on my grad call of my level two in Lifted, which is the main performance coach, like life coach certification I've gotten. Amazing. In Lifted.me is the site. A little plug for them. Amazing stuff. And, uh, you know, Mark England, who's my main mentor there, the head coach there, is just such an incredible, uh, you know, presenter. And so it's the grad call. It's January of 2020. Yeah, 2022. So last, last January, like 18 months ago, January whatever, 18 months ago. Uh, and it's like right at the end of it. And it was just such a powerful, profound ending to the, uh, the grad call. I just, um, and then he's, he's really good about just like being abrupt and like hanging up instead of like letting the, okay, how's everybody feeling? He just said what he had to say and everybody's tearing up and emotional and boom. And I just stared at my computer screen for like two minutes feeling this emotion. And then I said, that's it. I'm quitting tomorrow. I typed up my letter of resignation like, I felt like just, this is it, you know? And then of course, uh, you know, I slept on it and then realized, no, well, I got to like refinance my house first because like, as of two weeks from now, the bank's not going to, you know what I mean? They're like, you quit your job. We're not going to let you refinance. So we, we did a few things to kind of get, you know, the financial uh, part in order um, and a few other little things, but I gave my two weeks, you know, and, uh, and then haven't really looked back since then. Uh, so February 1st of 2022, I, I dove in to the deep end, so to speak. And, you know, again, more of these, like, not really sure how I'm going to do it. It's sort of like the, I just posted this quote. I heard it the other day. I posted on my Instagram. It's like, um, it's something along the lines of, to paraphrase it is when you have your why, the how takes care of itself, uh, worded a little bit differently. So, you know, and uh, easier said than done sometimes. Right. Um, I'm sure you can relate like that first, you know, six months, even longer than that, perhaps I was a lot of flailing around. 
a lot of like not really sure what my identity is. I remember when people ask me what I'm doing now, I'd be like, well, I'm like doing this like coaching thing. Like, but I was working at, you know what I mean? This lengthy, shapeless ex- explanation where I'm trying to convince myself that I'm a coach as well. So the identity part wasn't there yet and wasn't for like, I'm, I'm going to be honest for a while. And, and that's totally fine and totally part of the process, right? You know, I didn't even really know my niche. Initially, I knew I was going to go into the recovery somewhere deep down inside. I knew that was my my path, right? But initially, I'm like, no, I want to help everybody. Like, eh, Tony Robbins, you know, I mean, like the life coach, right? And then realizing after I went through a business mentoring program, it's like, no, you got to set up your lemonade stand in, on your street corner, you know, and then eventually maybe you can start expanding out. But like, you got to find your, you know, you find your lane first or your niche, you know, business talk, um, which totally made sense. So that's, you know, the, to kind of button this all up together. That's where I decided to, you know, come out with my recovery story because it is cool. You know, it's like, I, and I know how powerful uh, hearing other people's recovery story was for me. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm like, well, now that I'm like out of that old job and I don't really have to worry about the gossipy, whatever the, the political kind of stuff that could happen from that um, I can just be me now. And so I can't, that's when I decided. And it's like, to me, it was a no brainer, like just my life experience that I can speak to, you know, it's on blue in the face because I've lived it for my entire adult life, that being my recovery and my, you know, addictions and working through them. And then the coaching, which I have this vast body of work from my previous career and just sort of marrying them. And, you know, here we are now. That's awesome. And it's such a, I mean, it's such an example of of a story that I've been trying to tell in this podcast, right? Is this idea of, having a dark night of the soul, changing your own life, learning how, you know, learning to live in your own skin and then using that as a way to be of service to other people. Definitely. Yeah. I love the, um, and I want to, I want to, I like saying this part about my, the story or like my, I guess my perspective of why I'm doing this or how I'm doing this is like the whole hero's journey. Right. So, and what part, one of the elements of the hero's journey is the dark night of the soul, right? So like the Joseph Campbell, like the storytelling aspect and, you know, I'll do like the easy, like the, the Coles notes version. There's like the three phases. So there's like the, the call to action or the threshold, right? Where that's kind of part of it where it's like, you realize uh, there's no going back. Like we talk about after you cross that threshold, you know, there's something missing or something not quite right about your life. Or I knew there's something not quite right about my life. And then as soon as I cross that threshold and this works twofold for the drinking and for the, the career change, there was no going back, which we, which touched on, you know, earlier in the interview. And then there's the second part where it's just like, okay, it's the self development, the expansion, the growth, which there is that like shadow side of it, the dark night of the soul that I've otherwise been trying to like turn down, avoid escape. Right. And this time I'm going in with the curiosity, right. And realizing, okay, this, this is okay. This is not as afraid, you know, I'm not as afraid as I thought I was going to be. Uh, the anxiety was actually coming from not doing this earlier. You know what I mean? These like aha moments that I had. And then after coming out of the dark night of the soul is like act three, which is um, this, the service aspect, right? So uh, what have I learned? And I think it's human nature to once you've discovered something, you know, even from a kid, you get a toy, you want to share it with people, you know, I want to show my friends now, right? So I think there's like that element of it. There definitely was for me where I was like, nice, like I did this. I am happy. I now I want to show people because I remember how crappy that felt. Um, I want to show people, you know, that there is a way. And, um, and, you know, I've done it. Uh, you know, I, what I really like sharing nowadays is 
how like nuanced and how like customizable like recovery is, right? There isn't just one black and white way to do it. And, you know, we talk about, you know, there's programs out there and if that works for you, wonderful. But I'm finding there's, I, you know, I still have one foot in that, that side of things, but the other foot is so much more into like meditation, breath work, you know, the exercise, getting movement, getting outside for your breaks, all these other types of things that are just good life practices that just uh, really enhanced and made my recovery and sobriety so much more sustainable. So just adding all of that together and then nuanced for depends on the person's personality and needs. It's almost like to me, I look at it as like personal trainer with the nutrition is so dialed into that person because that person is different. Uh, I view that as like, there's an opportunity to do that with like recovery and sobriety coaching as well. Right. Where it doesn't, necessarily have to be as black and white i mean granted for sure that initial triage period let's get the beer out of your hand right that we should you know but even then like there's some there has been some flexibility with that right the whole sober curious thing you know the uh, harm reduction there's many different like there's so many different topics we could go into uh about it but that's my view of it and that's why i really like it um is just sharing what's worked for me and there's so many uh you know different like modalities of uh of recovering habits and different things that I've I've personally gone through that I'm just so eager to share with everyone. Yeah, and I think that's very much my story as well. So I'm uh 7 years sober, so probably right around the time you first got sober. Yeah. But it over time I need other modalities of healing beyond sort of, you know, the group program that initially got me sober. Because when you're first sober, you're like, just tell me what to do. Like 100%. I just need the program, right? It's like when you're first trying to, I don't know, maybe lose weight, right? You're like, just tell me what I can put in my mouth and tell me how much I have to walk every day. Like totally. I just need very simple and clear steps. And they're great programs for that. And then what, but once you're still doing those steps, there's more modalities that can enhance that even mm. more, right? There's, yeah. then you, there's the deeper trauma therapy and, you know, working through your own trauma and just figuring out what do you want your life to look like? Because totally. for many people who have gone through this and come to the other side, we find that the best way for us to really embody mm. being sober and having a sober lifestyle as being of service to other people. But what does that mean? Right. You're, you, yeah. you talked about it so well, but I've gone through it too. I mean, I was a year and a half sober. I had the luxury of being able to take off my first really year and a half. Um, mm. I still had my a business going, but I didn't have a lot going on to the point where, and I didn't try to grow the business. I just kind of kept going along with the bit with the business that I already had but yeah. I really got to a place where I knew I needed to figure out what was next for me mm. and I you know I saw a life coach and I saw a life coach for about 6 months mm -hmm. and you know made some decisions I went actually I went back to the corporate world for 3 years right and then had this inner calling kind of the same as you, like I'm supposed to be teaching mm -hmm. some of these principles that I'm using in my life to other people, but do it from the perspective of business, right? Marrying the, the woo woo spiritual side with yeah. the business side and the marketing side of things. But right. I had to go through a long process of, you know, I hired another life coach and said, mm -hmm. you know, and she was a life slash business coach very similar to me. It was like, how, what do I, 
I, I think I'm hearing this calling. What does that look like? Right. How do I actually make, you know, wh what do I offer? And then it's going through the process of then figuring out what that looks like. Right. And it changes over time. I mean, I'm two and a half years into this and it's evolving and changing and the, the layers of the onion keep unfolding mm -hmm. both in my life spiritually and in the business. And I think that's such a beautiful process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very well put, you know, and that's, you know, that's what the the podcast I do beyond recovery is, is that is very much speaks to that. Okay. It's like, cause I have had, I've worked with clients that are like, they get the one year mark and it's kind of like almost anticlimactic. It's like, okay, now what, you know what I mean? Well, the rest of your life is now what you got through that first calendar year. You went through your birthday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, your dad's birthday, mom's birthday, whatever it may be. You've gone through that f first full year and it's like, okay, now what? And that's like really getting into that. And that's what you're saying is like, and you know, it's for us, you know, folks that have been so used to having addictions or whatnot. Um, you know, it's like, what are you going to do with that space now? There's like, for me, I know there's so much energy I used, like, you know, lying or getting over on people to maintain my addiction. I'm like, if I'm putting that energy somewhere else, oh man, I wonder what I'm going to be capable of doing. But having said that, I, you know, the law of conservation of energy, that energy is, you got, it's, it's going somewhere. So that's where, you know, you talk about, yeah, just finding some better habits. And, um, and some people, yeah, they get to that stage where like, I don't, you know, I, like I've been talking to other folks right now that are like, you know, three, four months in and like, they feel very complacent because like their energy has just been going into like staying sober. And to me, that's like exactly like to your point, that's when the life coaching aspect comes in. Okay. Well, what did you used to like before drinking? You know, what, or what do you, what's like a 10 to you? What's been on the periphery of your, you know, your mind or your goals, but you're just, alcohol has gotten in the way or life has gotten in the way. Let's talk about that stuff, right? And see where that leads you. And so, yeah, really cool. Thanks for sharing that you're part of it. But yeah, absolutely. I think that's where like the life coaching uh, aspect or sober life coaching, we'll call it, really comes in. And even like that business coaching too, it's like, uh, and that's why I like your niche of like working with people in recovery that are also like entrepreneurs because, you know, there's, yeah, like we know how to, somebody told me, uh, it's an interesting quote, uh, being an entrepreneur is like the ultimate self-development because you go through all the like self-doubt, you know what I mean? The uh, imposter syndrome, all that is just like, boom, wrapped up and it comes at you like pretty much daily. Let's face it. It just gets turned down the, the further on you get. But so I thought that was pretty interesting too. So to have that element of it as well. And like we, uh, you know, I can speak for myself anyways, there's some like self-worth issues. I have now realized that like my new numbing agent is like keeping myself busy. So I have to rein myself in with that. So like when I start feeling like lonely or some of these feelings that I used to, you know, drink to drink away, I now pick up my phone. Oh, let's check Instagram. Right. I just caught this in the last, I'd say in the last year that like, I have this like collapsed distinction of like achievement and self-worth and I'm like prying them apart and realizing, you know, so that's, that is a learning, like it's such a rest of development. Like I've never, viewed myself like that i you know what i mean like it's just yeah so for me there there needs to be some guidance there and so i still work with coaches it's funny that coaches always work with coaches right which is good it's good uh good and healthy and then it shows like we're walking the walk talking the talk so yeah i definitely been using coaches this whole time as well um perhaps rambling at this point but yeah those are my those are my uh, uh <laughs> yeah. my takes on basically what uh, the conversation we're having yeah and i i find that there's nothing that's going to bring out your crazy, like being an entrepreneur. Right. I mean, yeah. it's just, and, and it's not necessarily being an entrepreneur. I'm going to change. I'm going to add a little bit to that. 
There's mm. nothing that will bring out your crazy like being an entrepreneur who is the face of your brand. Sure. Right? You are the face. You are the one that people are coming. You're you're what people are buying, right? So right. this is our coaches, I mean even realtors, doctors, hairdressers, right? You are the one that they are coming to see. And that means that you have to have a certain level of self-worth if you're going to stand up and be like, you need to buy from me. Mm. And it brings up all this stuff. And that's, you know, it's been interesting for me in my business. I started with this idea of like, okay, because I've done all the self-work, you know, not all of it, but I've done a lot of self-work. I was like, okay, people just need to know what they need to do and then they're good. But what I've realized after a couple of years of doing this is there's so much more to that. There's yeah. so much more to the spiritual, emotional, you know, development that happens when we are the face of our brand that really needs to be worked through in conjunction with doing the things, right? Because we're going to continue to have these these things come up every day. Like I feel like a total dork and like no one likes me. I've always felt like that from the moment I I, you know, was born. I don't know. I've always I've always just felt like I didn't fit in. Yeah. I can make myself look like I fit in. But I just, inside, I always feel like that. And it manifests all the time in my business. It manifests as laziness. Oh, I'm too busy. I'll do, I'm gonna, I have to do something else before I do mm-hmm. my marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, well, I can't do that program, even though it's on my heart because no one's going to buy it, right? Mm-hmm. Or no one's going to, oh, I can't go to that networking meeting because I'm going to get there and no one's going to want to talk to me, right? I find all these excuses to not really embody what I want to embody in my business. And it's all just fear. And so you have to work through both of those things at the same time. And that's, that is one of the things that I'm working on in my coaching business. One of the reasons why I started this podcast, because I want us to talk about as business leaders, the fact that it's not just doing the things, it's also doing the, the internal work. Yeah. That's a great point. A great point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like putting yourself out there and I know what you mean. There's like, I've, I've gone through, like, I'd say even the last week, just my posts, I haven't had the, um, I'm not sure what the word is. There's a hesitation to do like the reels. So I've just been doing like, you know, the quotes and like the, uh, the text style, uh, posts, which is totally fine. I'm putting content out, but there's part of me, I've just had a little bit of an energetic low, right? So I'm not getting out there and be like, Hey, you know, doing the whole, you know, uh, reels thing with the face to camera. And that's, you know, and that's, I'm, I'm fine with that. But there, you know, even six months ago, I would have been getting on myself like, no, you gotta be. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that's, that is definitely a tricky part to navigate. And like the, the nuance you speak of for sure. Yeah. That's a, uh, yeah. And it's ongoing, right? It's um, it's yeah, that's very good points. Very good points. Uh, by you. Well, yeah. And I think you going back to this idea of being curious is like, well, why don't I want to do any reels? Like what's really going on with me? Is this, I need some self-care and I just need a little bit of a break? Yeah. Or is this that I'm afraid of something? Am I yeah. not doing it because I'm afraid that somehow, whatever, my voice isn't good enough or I'm overstaying my welcome or, you know, whatever any of those things could be? Or do I just genuinely need to not see myself on camera anymore because I'm getting too self-conscious or whatever it is? Right. And having that discernment of is this fear or mm-hmm. is this self care. Yeah. And that's a real hard thing for people to really understand when they're, you know, when they're the face. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think there is like, for me, just coming up from us talking about this, there is 
some either self judgment or I have that like boss that I was so used to being, you know, conditioned like the, the work, uh, with urgency and pressure and fear. Right. So there, I have taken that on in my, in myself. Again, I, I'm aware of that now and I'm a lot easier on myself in, in a lot of ways, or at least I'm a lot more aware, I should say. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely some of that, like, whoa, like, why aren't you doing it? Blah, blah, blah. You're supposed to be, you know what I mean? You're supposed to be, or you should be, you know, those two words that I just love should and supposed to, which are always external conditioning of some form, right. That's showing up in, in my inner dialogue. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. That is, uh, you know, the whole, um, you know, me being my own boss, I, I take that very seriously. Apparently I have an inner boss that, uh, is definitely the guy with his arms crossed that may be my dad, maybe a manifestation of some of the other bosses I've had throughout my 22 years of my previous job. So yeah, there's definitely that, you know, inside me, you know, still. So. Yeah. Well, all our little demons come out yeah. all the time and we just yes. have to be curious about them and say, That's right. okay, Period. what are you trying to teach me? Or, <laughs> Hey, I really appreciate that you're trying to protect me right now. Right. Yeah. Cause all our fears are just trying to protect us, yes. but I'm okay. I'm yeah. o- I'm okay. I got this. Definitely. Thank you. Not today, Satan. Thank you. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to move on. Yeah. You get in the back seat. I'm driving. I'm a driving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Love it. Uh, thank you so much. This was so mm. fun. I feel like I could talk to you all day long. But Absolutely. if anybody wants to find you, where can they find you? Yeah, so thanks for having me on. I totally agree. It feels like we could have segued off into about three or four different parts, have like a mini series, you and I, eh? Um, yeah, so recoveryroadmap.me, that's my Instagram handle and as well as my website. And I have Matt Gardner Live is my YouTube channel and also my Facebook. So uh, recoveryroadmap.me and Matt Gardner Live. Excellent. And look for the podcast that we were on together when I was a guest yes. on Matt's Beyond Recovery podcast. Um, I'll put it in the show notes, but you can probably Google for it and find it as well. And it was such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your journey and your wisdom. And we appreciate you. Mwah. Oh, thanks so much, Sherry. Really appreciate it. And anytime you need me back on, I absolutely adore talking with you. So thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bosses with Baggage. We are honored that you chose to spend your precious time with us. I hope that you are feeling inspired to reframe your setbacks into your superpowers so that you can change not only your life, but the life of everyone around you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, and I sure hope you did, please subscribe, rate, and share on your favorite podcast listener. And if you have any ideas for a future guest or you need some help growing your business, I'd love to connect with you. You can find me directly on my website, which is SherrySutton.com, S-H-E-R-R-Y-S-U-T-T-O-N.com. We'll see you next time.